Hey, everybody, we're back. Howdy doody. <laughs> and uh, I'm Zach. I am Chris. And this is Intername Here. Howdy doody. Oh, wait, I already said that. Yep. <laughs> you might have to take your tongue out. Yeah. So you don't say it have anymore. To, so I stopped saying it. Um, anyway, so uh, welcome back to, uh, I guess, what? Episode. Season Dose. Season Dose episode trace. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we're going to keep on with our themes, I guess. And yeah. We uh, we decided last week we picked out a state. We're going to start doing, just to narrow things down, we might do a run of states for a while. We'll see. Yeah. And uh, we just randomly picked one, which happened to be Wisconsin. So that's what we're going to be yeah. focusing in on. Anything from Wisconsin, basically. Yeah, so we each still have a story. but Yeah. yeah. We just narrowed it down for us to make it like, you know more relevant to each other i guess yep possibly and, uh, but probably not and i still found a rabbit hole to jump down so there we go yeah. um before we get going uh you know follow facebook uh enter name here <laughs> follow facebook follow facebook instagram <laughs> face, uh, what is it enter name here podcast uh an enter name here podcast at gmail.com yeah. for all those emails you guys have been sending us yeah um so yeah anyway so we'll get to the our stories later but you know we've got some stuff we'll talk about beforehand yeah. yeah i've got some wisconsin centric news stories but not only it sounds like right. you have some other news stories that aren't wisconsin centric well i mean i just I've, i i just was looking through some stuff i found uh this high school teacher in missouri and of course now my computer's gonna start acting up oh right of course um where'd it go uh-oh. Missouri, perhaps? Uh, St. Clair, Missouri. A Missouri high school teacher has been put on leave after officials discovered that she was performing on a porn website. Oh. Hmm. 28-year-old English teacher. Uh, she knew, says she knew the risk, but and those that her days are teaching are probably over. Yeah, probably She was doing so. uh, um, OnlyFans. And she was making... At least eight to ten thousand dollars a month on OnlyFans, and her salary last year as a teacher was forty-two thousand dollars a month. Oh, like, wow! Sounds like you might be better that. off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not surprising and uh, notable that she was continuing to work as a teacher. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the, the high school has about seven hundred fifty students. Who found out this information <laughs> is what I wanted to know. There's nobody that's coming out and saying, but was it the administration that found out? Was it a student that found out? Right. Was or it was it a parent that found out and passed that information along? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Did yeah. one of the. But who was looking up that type of thing that she does on OnlyFans? Yeah, somebody was to find her. You know, so <laughs> I think we know that she's able to do whatever she wants. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and she says that she's got again. This was, I guess, from when was this? This was yesterday. Oh, yeah. Very September twenty ninth. Okay. So yeah, today. Today. Um but since then since they've found out and since this has gone public, she already has at least a hundred new subscribers, so <laughs> she's gonna yeah. make more money. So it just helps her, you know? really. <laughs> but yeah, good for her. So. Yeah, good for her. Not on the getting but fired then, part, because it sounds yeah. like you might have enjoyed your job. It did maybe, seem like maybe, a, she did say she was going to miss the students. Yeah, because you were still doing it when you didn't really need the money. I mean, it, I'm sure it was nice to, <laughs> you know, have the income. But, well, she like, said that she was, there was always a cloud hanging over her head, and she never knew when she would be discovered. Um, 
Fair enough. About two weeks ago, her husband and her were told that people were finding out about it, so she knew that day was coming. Yeah. Well. But, well. you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lawsuit involved and, you know, whatever. Probably so. But yeah. I, I just instantly thought of who was the one that was... <laughs> Yeah. That found out. How was she found I'm out? I'm outraged because I got caught. But I'll just say, look at her. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at what she's doing. So it's probably a student, though. Yeah. And then couldn't t- stop saying, "Hey, Miss Miss Cooper, or whatever her name. I didn't want to name her. Right. And the student ended up somehow their parent found out. And, right. Or yeah. like the student tells all the other students, and then they're like, all of them, you know, start whispering through school that yeah. they, they found her. And then they all know about it by then, and have seen it. You know, because I'm sure that checking a box that says that you're old enough is just enough right. security. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, a couple weeks ago we did the action park. Right. Well, uh, this is in Canada, a place called Canada's Wonderland Theme Park, which is in Vaughan, Ontario, has these two hydraulic arms that are shaped like axes. It's a ride. Okay. It's like that old one. It's the pirate oh, ship that would like rock back and God, forth. And then every that. once in a while, I'll get up to the top and sit there for a second and then swoop back down. Right, right. right. Well, these are just uh, look like big axes. But everybody's upside down because they're hanging from the bottom of it when they're swinging. And then sometimes it'll go all the way up. Right. So they're sitting upside down and the, <clears throat> the ride stopped. And, and your feet stuck are there. in the air. No, you're... Your head's facing towards the ground. Yeah, your feet are in the air. You're just down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They uh, they were stuck there. It stopped working, and they were stuck for at least 30 minutes. Oh. 75 feet above the ground. Ugh. Ugh. Um, <laughs> it's a lumberjack ride, and it stopped moving at about 1040 local time. And uh, uh, oh, they man. didn't disclose the cause of the ride's abrupt stop. And all passengers were back on the ground by 1105, so about 30 minutes Two people were treated for chest pain before released. Before yeah. being released, I mean, it's likely somewhat safety feature that makes the whole thing stop. But yeah, I mean, it looks like it might be a th- like it says it's a theme park, so it's not like right. the traveling yeah, fair. It's not don't ride taken those. Apart and put together. Yeah, don't ride those. Yeah, but there were all sorts of people just dangling upside down, crying for help and screaming. I think I, I thought I saw something where they like yelled, "Are you okay?" And all these people were like, "No." <laughs> So, yeah, wrong question. So I mean, it's not action park, you know. Everybody lived, but you know, yeah, you hear about those things. It's kind of funny to. Uh, it must suck to be upside down for thirty minutes. Oh, dude. Plus, with the idea of like, it could fall over, you could slide yeah. out. Well, know? and how many of those people were convinced by friends or whomever to uh, get on that ride, right, and yeah. then they get stuck? I like don't want to do it. Like, yeah, yeah, you do. Come on. Never again will they try something nope. like that. Scarred for life, <laughs> right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd probably try a ride like that, but eh. I don't mind mm-hmm. that one. I mean, I don't want to go upside down, but I mean, most of them, it's like you're still the 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 boat. Let's say, yeah, yeah. I know which one stays, you're talking about. Stays where you're sitting up straight, right? But the whole thing goes around in a circle. But this is like when you're at the bottom, you're hanging, and then then you're upside down. Yeah, like, I don't know about that one. I don't like going upside down. Yeah, it doesn't bother me too much. It's just what angle am I hanging, I guess, is uh, what bothers me more. Like stomach down to the ground, like no thank you. Don't want to be hanging with my stomach face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. Those security features on those rides aren't made for fat people either, so. 
<laughs> well, they don't click in as many times as they do for other people. Yeah, a lot of those seats are pretty snug anyway. Yeah. 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 You got some p- weird piece of metal in your butt crack. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so. yeah, don't. Uh, what was that? Wonderland Park? I, what was that called again? Oh, it was Canada's Wonderland Theme Park. Canada's Wonderland Theme Park. So if you want a, a risky ride, go there. I'm right. sure it's fixed by now. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm, it's safe. I mean, it's not not safe. It's just, yeah. There's it's that not time completely that it got safe. stuck up in the air, and nobody talks about it anymore. Yeah, tomorrow everybody's got <laughs> something else to talk about. So. Well, I'll uh, move on to something uh, a little more uplifting that we talked about already uh, before we started recording, and it's uh, Taylor's show business. <laughs> That's way more uplifting. Yeah, isn't it? Because we had said, you know, if we're doing Wisconsin, uh, we're not going to do serial killers. Not that she is, but uh, we're not doing serial killers. So <laughs> it's like, well, we still got to talk about murderers which, in Wisconsin. Right, which, and, which was kind of funny because... When I looked at the stuff in Wisconsin, there's only like two really well-known <laughs> right. serial killers. So like the idea that every third person in Wisconsin is a serial killer was kind of, I think both of us were kind of taken aback that yeah. it wasn't true. Yeah, I'm surprised that there weren't more because, yeah, you think about it Yeah, supposedly every, every third, fourth person up there is just like murdering everybody. But I mean, I guess two of its uh, serial killers are some of the most well-known and uh, popularized serial right. killers out there. And so. one of them was an icon to... Taylor Shabusiness. Yeah. And that's her legal name. It was changed from like Coronado or something. She changed right. her last name yeah, to Shabusiness. Shab- it's spelled S C H A, business. Shabusiness. <laughs> but um, headline Taylor Shabusiness decapitated and mutilated her lover in a meth fueled tryst. Then she bragged to police. <laughs> so and she did not have one bit of any remorse yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, if and when you look this girl up. Yeah, I mean um her face uh, she's smiling for most of the pictures I've seen of her like And if you watch you know, video she's definitely like kind of like got this smirk but I don't know if it's like a I think it's some sort of evil in her or something like definitely seems like some sort of, like she's almost proud of what happened and is kind of forthright about talking about it too like yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, this is I what mean, I did. you know there's a whole like I mean she she's done all sorts of things from attack her lawyer to yeah but she didn't only decapitate him i mean she dismembered him and different parts of his body were in different places things yeah and so we don't even want to say the things we might get banned for the things that she did right but i guess the reason i'm telling the story anyway is this week she was uh finally uh convicted uh for, for her crimes or sentenced rather yeah so life in prison no chance of parole yeah. uh but also had some like aggravated sexual battery charges included on that for you know right like, you yeah know, i think she ended up with like 137 kind. years total or something yeah, but something or like life that. plus 37 like, or something and like i think that. probably under her spit mask she was smiling the whole time she definitely like had this really creepy yeah weird vibe so and we like, were looking at that thing earlier back in the spring um at that court appearance she attacked her lawyer and that yeah. lawyer quit on her so like and then they got a lawyer that looked almost the same as the other lawyer <laughs> yes yeah, it's really weird and I, I the way she was looking at that lawyer i mean she was giving him looks uh, i mean and she was giving looks all the time yeah yeah it was interesting but yeah that's all i'm gonna talk i'm not she's gonna, gonna, gonna talk be about in too uh, much but yeah she's, she's gonna uh, be in like a high security mental prison for sure you yeah. know like for the rest of her life she is definitely not she tried to plead insanity but they didn't take it yeah, so, I mean, maybe she won't be in a, uh, a mentally ill... They're uh, going to have to put her in there. She's got... Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if she's safe to be around 
other well, people I without mean, constant surveillance, you know, like s- sorts of uh, people sentenced aren't normally around a lot of people anyway. Like they spend twenty three hours in their cell, you know, like, by true. themselves. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, so getting worse and worse, right? So I mean, yeah, yeah. Her uncle was like made some speech and was like basically said, "I hope you get whatever what your hero Jeffrey Dahmer got." Right. Which I mean, you know, you can go and listen to that violence film song. <laughs> Right. You can find out a little bit of the story of that. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, well, they have a song also called "Dahmer Is Dead." That's the song. Oh, I'm is that about, the one yeah. you're talking about? All right, yeah, but yeah. I mean, they kind of cleaned up some of the events, but yeah, yeah, it was it was a strong statement by the uncle, <laughs> and then the dad forgave her. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was really it was wild. I mean, forgiveness is great, I guess. But yeah, so Taylor's a business. <laughs> that just couldn't get over. I thought that that was something like going to be like way more entertaining yeah. when I heard the name. Yeah, you know I mean, what I mean? Like, definitely, uh, when you look at podcasts, if anybody wants to hear a whole lot more about it, there's plenty of podcasts out there doing <clears throat> stories about Taylor's business. Oh, and so, just, yeah. I mean, go on YouTube. Right. There's hundreds of videos. Right, exactly. I mean, if you yeah. want to see that, they've got crime scene photos or whatever. Yeah, I didn't uh, bother to look up any of that. Some crazy, horrific stuff. And don't do meth, kids. Yeah, don't do meth, I think, is one one of the the most important lessons of that story. A bunch of meth. And we failed to mention it all that much. But yeah, it was was meth fuel. And she's crazy to begin with. Right. Yeah. So, So, anyway, moving um, on. Well, we'll go a little bit happier. Yeah, and I've got a happier one. I've got a happier one here about this Ukrainian guy, a strong man. Oh. And he uh, pulls cars with his teeth. Oh, I think I've heard about this guy. Before. And uh, his name's Dimitro, and uh, of course it is. He's 34. <laughs> he took on the ro- record for most cars pulled with the teeth, and managed to haul six cars and drivers weighing 16,763 pounds. Wow! So the cars are in neutral; they're all tied together. <laughs> the person's in the car just to make sure the cars go straight, so they can get an accurate measurement. <laughs> right. But the cars are neutral; they're not doing anything else. And he's got like he's got a thing in his teeth, and he's pulling it like lean back, lean back all the way. Wow! All I can think of is like Daffy Duck having his entire bottom half of his face pulled off in a stunt like that. <laughs> Not Daffy Duck. Uh, that's the. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Daffy Duck. Is it Daffy with uh, Black Duck? Yeah, that's Looney Daffy. Tunes. Is that Daffy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the one like it's shoot his Donald. shoot his beak. Shoot his beak off and stuff. <laughs> right. You just um, see his whole lower half of his face getting pulled off. <laughs> he went, uh, let's see, it was 30 meters, so almost 100 feet. Mm. And uh, he was pulling those cars. And he also pulled a uh, almost 3,000-pound taxi cab in 15.63 seconds as another record that he broke that same day. Oh, wow. And he's also, at one point, previously set the record for heaviest train pulled by the neck by hauling a 71,650-pound train in 2022. Train pulled by the neck. Yeah. A 71,000, almost 72,000-pound train by the neck. And he says, my, my hobby is extreme power tricks, and my goal is to be multiple record holder. Yeah, well, I didn't want to try a Ukrainian accent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would have enjoyed you it. You, but. Yeah, I, I would have been called out. <laughs> it could have sounded a lot like your Arnold impersonation too, though. You could and, have just maybe, I don't know. You know that could be a broad generalization. <laughs> it, it definitely is. It would be but. definitely like an area. <laughs> it I definitely couldn't, is. I couldn't get into like what neighborhood the guy was from. What <laughs> yeah, his that's slang why was. I think you would just end up sounding like Arnold. <laughs> I don't want to make this guy mad. You just bite your head <laughs> right. off. 
yeah, I'll just come over here and pull you apart with his. But teeth. they got all these hooks and straps and stuff. And he's pulling this thing, and I just imagine like that thing snapping and just coming back, whack. Mm. So yeah, yeah, good job, Dimitri. Oh, look at that girl. We Dimitri. saw that video getting whapped by the uh, the dolly, the hand truck. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> oh. that was great. Oh. Anyway, um, yeah, my uh, good news <clears throat> story. Mine is once again from Wisconsin, and it's uh about flamingos being in Wisconsin. Oh yeah, like uh, apparently they've been much more northerly uh, this year in this time of year. Um, some speculate because of a hurricane. The uh, one whose name I can't remember and can't find in this story that I'm looking at, but uh, that they all got blown more northward, so they're landing on places like in Ohio along the lakes and huh. Wisconsin, Michigan. That's probably but, uh, it's probably a little warmer, like like better climate than they're used that they like, you know. Could be. I mean, yeah, but um, I forgot right here. But yeah, anyway, they were in a on a, a shore uh, along Lake Michigan in Port Washington. There we go, about twenty five miles north of Milwaukee. Um, first sighting of the species in Wisconsin in state history. Hmm. So yeah, but um, apparently not too strange because they have been spotted in, like I said, northern. They fly states. north for the winter. They do not. No, no. They do not. No, uh, they're lost. <laughs> There wasn't many. There weren't many of them, though, were there? No, there were five of them. Okay, so, yeah. they definitely just got blown off course. It says the sighting was unexpected, but not a total shock because of recent reports of flamingos in Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Conservation biologist um, Ryan Brady, a conservation biologist with the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, they hypothesized that the flamingos were pushed north in late August by strong winds of Hurricane Idalia. Idalia. Okay. The typical range of the American flamingo is Florida and other Gulf Coast states, as well as the Caribbean and northern South America. So, very far north for these guys. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, I wonder if they'll change colors to, from pink. They did say that um, the adults were uh, were um, pink, but the uh, the younger ones were gray. So, yeah. yeah, that's usually... They, right. They, they get don't, pink they don't, from eating the, the fish. Krill or yeah. whatever, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good news story. There we go. It's not Taylor Chobuzns. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Don't let her near him. Chop yeah. him up. Change your name to Shabusiness. Oh my God. That's, okay. That's the Shabusiness for sure. I just can't get over it. It just was not like what I was expecting when I looked her up. No, no. You see a picture of her, and at first you're like, "Well, she's kind of sweet looking, actually. Like, you know, nice yeah, face." When you see the old pictures, <laughs> yeah, not, right. not like from the day that she got arrested. Yeah, I mean, she looks like a girl you would know. <laughs> you don't want to run yeah, if you know a girl like that. Definitely don't want to know her. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> the past couple times we started doing this thing, and I. We're going to rename it, and we're going to call it, Hey, I Just Found This Out. Hey, I Just Found This Out. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, which I forget to do every week, but we is, are going to start making it a thing. That which we do is uh, basically, you know, today I found out, but you know, we like the, hey, I just found this out. Yeah. It's um, fun, and it's kind of what we do anyway. Yeah. Um, These are just like shorters. Shorter ones. Shorters. Shorters. Um, mine is going to be Wisconsin-themed, sort of, because it's the cheese head. Oh, all right. And uh, so, originally, way back in the day, during World War II, cheesehead was a slanderous term that the Germans used against the Dutch. Oh, huh. Who knew? Okay, well, we see how that worked out, right? Um, But the cheesehead that I'm talking about is like, you see him on the football games for the Packers. Yep. Right? The big foam cheeseheads. 
That's uh, I'm glad that that's the one I assumed you were going to talk about. Yeah. But... Yes. So, um, yeah, it's a nickname for somebody that is a Green Bay Packers fan. But actually, the first time that we saw one was at a Milwaukee Brewers game. Huh. And this guy named Rose Bruno, maybe he's a woman. I think he's a man, though. Rose Bruno. Was it not Bruno Rose? Ralph Bruno, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> not Rose, but Ralph. <laughs> yeah. Um, Name often mispronounced. <laughs> they saw somebody at a game, at a, at a Milwaukee Brewers game, wearing a hat that said Cheesehead. Well, then he went home, took foam out of his sofa, and cut it into the shape and then like burnt holes in it to make it look like cheese and then wore it to a brewer's game and then quickly was selling cheese heads cheese heads around the stadium for baseball games and then just kind of like became if you're from wisconsin and you're into wisconsin sports of any teams that they're there you're a cheese head and so now there's this guy um ralph started a company called uh Fomation Incorporated, which is in St. Francis, Wisconsin. All right. And they manufacture the wearable ones that you've seen. And there's like hundreds of different variations from huh. different st- shapes. They got cowboy hats. They got you know, all sorts of, of different things. Yeah. Um, and it's che- Cheesehead is trademark owned by Fomation. So he's the OG and for real. Yeah. Um, the uh, It's actually, actually part of official packers merchandising as well and uh it actually sold in 2023 formation sold to the packers so okay makes sense though um and in 1995 a fan named frank emmert jr was flying on a private plane back to wisconsin after attending the packers game against the browns and the plane crashed due to an ice accumulation okay okay um emmert suffered a broken ankle and other minor injury minor injuries but was saved from further serious injury when he used his cheese head for protection in the crash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And uh, in 2013, the Chicago Bears fans started wearing cheese graters. Oh, nice. So, yeah. but that, I thought it's kind of interesting to find out Actually, about the cheese graters. Cheese funny. They probably look like a bunch of people out of Mad Max or something. Maybe. (laughs) Leather pants and cheese graters on their heads. Cheese graters. Definitely scarier than a cheese head. So that's that's the story of where the cheese heads came from. It's a good good Wisconsin one, too. It's funny. I didn't even think about the Green Bay Packers when I was thinking about Wisconsin. But, yeah, I mean, Green Bay. I mean, I guess they got the Bucks. Yeah. There's probably a hockey team up there. No, I don't think there is. Really? Is there not a Wisconsin hockey team? I don't think there's a Milwaukee or Wisconsin Team and Green Bay is not a big enough city to huh. have anything. I mean, they're the anomaly in the NFL anyway. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they also the fans are. It's the only team in professional sports where the fans are the owners of the team, right? Which is pretty cool. Pretty like, it's cool. A co-op of NFL football, yeah. basically. So, yeah, they but, yeah, just got if you the see them, crap beat out of them last night in football too. Oh, nice, yeah, um, Detroit. So if you see somebody wearing one of those cheese heads, now you know that like it started out with some guy taking the foam out of his mama's sofa and <laughs> right. cutting it up to make it look like that. What an entrepreneur. And now he's probably worth a lot of money. God, it's got to be worth a lot of money. I mean, they just sold to the Green Bay Packers. I'm sure he didn't sell it for like 500 bucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not even close to 500 bucks. But uh, I came wholly unprepared for my Today I Learned 
or to what what do you know no hey i just found this out hey i just found this out what do you know <laughs> we're gonna figure out how to get chris to remember that part of it at least howdy duty <laughs> but um i did quickly look up uh some fun facts about wisconsin and immediately i was like well shoot like the first four that i saw here i had no idea about wisconsin and i thought they were pretty cool so you just found this out so i did literally just find this out what do you know just kidding um (laughs) first of all not very interesting but kind of neat wisconsin is a leading producer of ginseng in the united states Hmm. what do you know I can't stop doing it now. But this is the one that caught my attention. Uh, Green Bay is known as the toilet paper capital of the world. That huh. doesn't tell me why. Okay. Toilet paper capital of the world. Do you think maybe... Um, Do you think they make it there? I was going to say perhaps Charmin is made in like Milwaukee or something like that. But well, You're going to look it up while we go. I'm going to yeah, move go on ahead. to the next one, but we'll go backwards. Um, first ice cream sundae was concocted in Two Rivers in 1881. That was a long time ago. What, what's the, up with the, uh, uh, the Charmin paper? name was first created in 1928 by the Hoburg Paper Company in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Green so Bay, there you go. That's where they created Charmin, so that's why it's the toilet paper. Gosh, and I even said Charmin. Look at me. I'm on tonight. Yeah, there you go. Um, something that did prove to me that I'm not very on most of the time, though, is that uh, the Fox River is one of the few rivers in the nation that flows north. And I was thinking uh, the New River was the only river in the uh, in the country that flowed north. Huh. But apparently the Fox River. There are a few rivers in the world, I think, that flow north. But because that was uh, before The whatever. Flamingo River? Yeah, the Flamingo River. But it was before, like, what, the magnetic Shifts. poles shifted or something. So <clears throat> those rivers are old enough that, like, they still flow north rather than south, like most of the rivers in the world. They'd already made their path. Yeah. There already no made change their path. In right? There no change in The it. Rockies of the East were the Appalachians. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Um, and one more, because it kind of has to do with the story I'm going to tell later, and we'll know more about that later, but um, practically all the natural lakes in Wisconsin have resulted from glaciers. Okay. Yeah, which we probably could have guessed, but uh, what, Minnesota is the land of a thousand lakes. But 10,000 lakes. Is it 10,000 lakes? Yeah, but there's way more than that. Yeah, there's way more than that. I think we talked about that on the show. We have. But, uh, but yeah, so mine's going to have to do uh, with a lake, so you know that much about mine right now. Ah, yeah. was it Camp Crystal Lake? Was that in... Uh, <laughs> it is not. I hope it was... Uh, was that, that in was uh, the Wisconsin? One. I don't think so. I, I don't very know. highly doubt it. That's very Googleable, but we're probably not going to do it. Okay, um, so... So, yeah, that's all my... Uh, I, did, I came unprepared, hey, so I apologize. Hey, we just found this out. Yeah. Hey, we just found this out. Not yeah. what do you know. Right. You just won't remember anyway. We'll have it written down like all the other stuff we have on the wall, like pasted everywhere to remember to do. And it starts to blend in so you never even look at it. Thus, you don't remember to <laughs> right. do the things. Right. <laughs> we try. Um, so, a yeah. for effort. So, I guess we're going to go on a little tour of some parts of uh, Wisconsin. Although, like, I mean, it was pretty generalized because my guy was born in Wisconsin. Oh, right. Well, it that's kind of the... It didn't happen in Wisconsin. He's a Wisconsinite. Right. And that's kind of the idea of us narrowing the theme down, though, is yeah. just to give us a place to start. Yeah, and I mean, it could they... be it could be stories that happen in Wisconsin right. or people from Wisconsin. We're kind of leaving it open for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, we're I, trying I like to, the creativity We're trying involved. to get closer 
to having the exact same thing without knowing about it and then seeing what happens. <laughs> and then that'll be like the end of the entire podcast. Yeah, we'll have to start a different podcast then. Yeah, we've got it. We've got those planned out. Yeah, we're going to call it What Do You Know? <laughs> right. <laughs> With two big dicks. Two, <laughs> two episodes and we'll have to quit. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, if you guys weren't around for that very first episode, then you have no idea bad. what I was talking about. But. Um, all right, so my guy that I'm going with is Aldrich Ames. And oh. Aldrich Hazen Ames, and he went by Rick, so I, I'll call him that most of the time. I, th- I thought you were going to say maybe he went by Tiger. Isn't <laughs> he Eldrick? <laughs> I don't know. This guy was definitely not Tiger. Yeah. Um, he was born in 1941, in May 26th, in River Falls, Wisconsin. Oh. Uh, his mom was a high school English teacher, and his dad was a lecturer at Wisconsin State College slash River Falls. So, uh, in 1952, however, his dad started working with the CIA and their Directorate of Operations. And that's in Virginia, so they moved to Virginia. And in 53, dad was re- restationed, I guess, and to move to Southeast, Southeast Asia. Oh, wow. For three years, working for the CIA. Like, the family stay here? Or they uh, no, they went. Okay. But his dad, this this will be a common theme for the whole story, really, is his dad received a particularly negative performance appraisal in part because of serious alcoholism and after that was relegated to CIA headquarters for the remainder of his career. So, okay. All right. He was drinking too much. Anyways, huh. that's the dad. Right. Uh, while a sophomore in high school in 1957, Rick uh, started working for three different summers as a records analyst for the CIA. I don't know what that means and why they were hiring like high school sophomores for this. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's... 1957, you know? Yeah, you're probably sitting like looking over documents for like particular things. And, well, it, it says he was marking classified documents for filing, whatever that means. Oh, like, right. I mean, yeah. how much could he really be able to access as a high schooler? Yeah, well, you might not even be able to look in the file. You know Maybe. I mean? Yeah, you're just marking the file. Right. Yeah. Um, and then in 59, he started at the University of Chicago, but he left during his sophomore year Ooh. and started working again for the CIA up there as a laborer and painter. Okay. Interesting. A CIA painter. Weird, hmm. weird stuff going on. Yeah. Anyways. Aliens. Um, in 62, yeah. he returned back to the DC area and began working full time for the CIA doing basically painting clerical jobs like he was doing before no i think he was painting i'll paint it out you know fixing toilets painting <laughs> so during this time he reached a grade of gs7 which i don't know oh. how high up that is it seems like it's kind of middle of the road right <laughs> it's sure I, I mean based on sounds... what i know based on what i know it seems like it's like he's not way up there but he has it's enough like going on generally sort of seven um, yes. right, yeah, there you go um he didn't really want to work with the agency but by the, with him reaching that he he just decided that he got a he decided to finish school he got a degree from uh george washington and then was accepted to the career trainee program so i guess he felt <laughs> like uh, i i'm getting up in here i might as well stick around right <laughs> well yeah i mean but even during this time he had several alcohol related run-ins with the police and that's what i could find was that said several okay all right so I like his know. dad in the in the he's the same ways. thing he's yep. a big drinker yep. and uh while he's in this trainee program for some reason they didn't like 
flag any of this behavior or anything, right? It was a different time. Common theme throughout yeah. this entire thing. You'll see why. Um, so while he was in the trainee program, he met a woman named Nancy Sedgebarth, and in 69, they were married. So. Beautiful name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now she's Nancy Ames. <laughs> a little better. <laughs> um, so then, right after they were married, uh, Rick was assigned to Ankara, Turkey, Oh, good. That's a beautiful name as well. And Nancy, I get way better names coming up. (laughs) Trust me. Um, Nancy resigned because there's rules against married partners working in the same office. So I guess in the D.C. area, they could work in separate offices. But when they moved to Turkey, they could only be in the same office. So she resigned. Oh. Um, Right. And his job in Turkey was to target Soviet intelligence officers for recruitment. So hmm. he's trying to get people to turn, right? right. And he was successful. And while he was in Turkey, uh, he infiltrated a communist group called the Devgink. Devgink. And it's through a roommate of Dennis Gesmus, who was a founding member of the People's Liberation Army of Turkey. Oh. Which always, when I hear stuff like that, reminds me of that Monty Python in the Life of Brian, where they're talking about they should be the people's liberation front or the right whatever <laughs> look it up anyways um this guy dennis was also a marxist leninist revolutionary and a political activist in turkey at the time so like he got in through that group to um he he, he infiltrated that group right 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 rick uh even though he did this, his performance rating was only rated as satisfactory. So is he essentially a spy? He's trying to make spies. Okay. All right? That's his job title. Is yeah. He's trying to get people to flip from, basically from the KGB and the sure. Soviets, right? Yeah. Um, but like I said, this, he was still just rated as satisfactory. And I think that some of this, it was drinking related, right? Sure. Um, and did, did it, After all these like things that keep happening... They're like, hey, you're average at best, blah, blah, blah. Did uh, Rick even consider leaving the CIA? No. 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 Dude's like, I will paint. I'll do whatever you need me Um, to do. No, no, he didn't do any more painting. Uh, (laughs) In 72, he spent the next four years uh, in the Soviet East European Division. And then I think he kind of improved then because his, his performance reviews were basically, they were called generally enthusiastic. (laughs) <laughs> and it, partly because he was pretty good at managing paperwork and planning field op- operations, but he wasn't very good at actually recruiting agents. Okay. Okay. Right. So, which was his job. Right. <laughs> so during the reviews, however, his excessive drinking was noted and two separate, what they quote, quote eyes only notes were put into his file. Oh. So they, they are noticing his behavior right. and not doing dilly. Like he's still drinking heavy, right? Right. So by 76, they moved him again to New York City. Well, New moved, York not City. again. He didn't go. He was the first time in New York City, but he moves again. Right. They, they keep they moving move him, him around. Again, yeah. They're find, trying to find some place to put him because he's good at some parts, but they don't yeah. want him for all the parts. Why don't right? they send him to Wisconsin? <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he never actually goes back to Wisconsin. So that's how much right. Wisconsin has to do I'm with like, this. Send him where nothing is happening. I but, mean. uh,. <laughs> So, and when he went, when he's when he was in New York, he was in charge of two Soviet assets, which assets are spies, basically. right? Yeah, 
during this time, his performance was ranked as excellent, and he was promoted several times and was ranked higher than Ooh. most operations officers in his pay grade. So okay, seems like he's kind of getting it together a little bit. Right. But he also had a tendency to, pro- to procrastinate in submitting financial <laughs> accounting and also committed two security violations. And one of oh, them boy. is totally some spy shit because he left a briefcase containing classified operational materials on the subway oh, man. in New York. <laughs> and he only received a verbal warning for this. Right? Wow, really? So I would say definitely some red flags that for yeah. some reason were overlooked. Go government. Which seems to be a recurring theme, right? <laughs> so in 81, Rick accepted transfer to Mexico City. All right. And Nancy at that time decided to stay in New York. I think I would choose New York over Mexico City. Especially if you're in the CIA, right? Mm -hmm. And while he was there in Mexico City, his reviews were deemed mediocre at best. Okay, so. Sounds like a. Failing off again. I think New York was probably the best place to have kept him, but. Yeah, yeah, why move him when he's doing so well? Not kept him at all, right? Right. Um, He did see to be successful at one thing while he was in Mexico, though, and he had at least three different affairs while he was there. Oh. And well, without his wife, I guess between but, that uh, and the excessive drinking, that's probably why he got so many bad reviews, right? Yeah. So, um, at one point, while drunk at a diplomatic reception, Rick got into a loud argument with a Cuban official that quote caused alarm with his superiors. But again, they didn't give him any <laughs> repercussions or anything. He just got into a drunken argument. Yeah. With a right. Cuban diplomat, right? <laughs> Um, I said, come on, buddy. So in October of 82, Rick started an affair with a woman named Maria del Rosario Casas Dupuy. Oh, short name. Right. And she was a cultural attache in the Colombian embassy, and she was also a CIA informant. Oh. Okay, so um, all this, let's see, with all of this that happens, what happens with Rick? He gets transferred back to the Soviet East European Division back in D.C., so, again, they Man. move him, right? He's all over the place. Man. And I'm sure this probably happens a lot with those types of jobs. Yeah, no wonder he's drinking you can't, all the time. You can't keep people around if they're in the spy game. You can't keep them around places too long or they get found out, yeah. I guess. You yeah, know? people know who they are. Um, he was, uh, in, when he was back in D.C., he was in the most sensitive element of the Department of Operations. Interesting. Which was responsible for Soviet counterintelligence. Seems like if you're getting these mediocre reviews that... He shouldn't be moving up so much. Right, Right. exactly. Um, And since he was there, uh, he had access to all CIA plans and operations against the KGB and the GRU. The GRU is a Soviet military intelligence group, right? We've got the FBI, CIA, and stuff. That's their versions of that kind of stuff. Okay. And in 1983, he and Nancy filed for separation. And he finally filed a report telling the CIA about his relationship with uh, Maria. Okay. Which he wasn't supposed to have, right? Yeah, I mean, probably should have been disclosed long before. Right. Yeah. Because she was a, a CIA operative, and she yeah. was also like a member of another group's cultural cultural attache. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, all sorts of trouble. Um, when they got the divorce, Rick agreed to provide Nancy three and a half years support and to pay off all of the debts that they had together, which was in today's money about one hundred fifty thousand dollars, forty six thousand dollars then in the eighties, and it's already one hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Um, so you combine this and Rick learning that Maria had some expensive tastes. 
<laughs> and loved going shopping spree- shopping sprees and making phone calls back home. Yeah, which was an expensive thing back then. Yes. Well, you'll find out in a little bit. Because uh, Rick had serious issues that needed addressing, and probably uh, the main reason things are about to go the way that they're going to go. Okay. Aliens. So, yeah. 85 comes around, and Rick and Maria get married and have a son named Paul. So, I mean, he's getting more... He, he got this expensive needs wife. Now he's got a kid. Yeah, they're he's got to pay off Paul. Nancy. Paul Ames, yeah. Um, so, uh, with his job that he had at that point, he often assisted other CIA offices that assessed Soviet embassy officials as potential intelligent assets. All right, so still looking for... Uh possible spies right and he's doing this with knowledge of cia and the fbi he begins making contacts at the soviet embassy so they know he's doing this yeah well in april of 85 rick provided info that the so to the soviets that he believed was essentially valueless but would establish himself as an insider with the cia okay uh so he got fifty thousand dollars for this and he said later on that he claimed that uh, he had not prepared for more than the initial con game to take care of his debt that he had just come into, but since he crossed the line, he could never step back. So hmm. he sold this information to them because he felt it was valueless, but it was showing that he was a helper. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, he if was you're willing there, to do that, then $50,000. Right. Yeah. You're so, willing to do more. Um, they started noticing some stuff, right? And uh, the FBI and the CIA sources were identified top 10 level, more than top 10 high-level CIA and FBI sources were reporting on Soviet activities and believed there was as much money as he could ever use in betraying them. So he eliminated them, but eliminating them would also make it more likely his espionage would be discovered. So he knew who he could go for, the top 10 people, but... It was dangerous. He knew the, yeah. the, the level of the people he was trying to go in with, right? Um, CIA Soviet agents began to disappear at an alarming rate. Uh, initial investigations focused on broken codes or breaches by bugs, Soviet bugs, who uh, they never found really much about that, but they were also really reluctant to believe that they had a mole. The CIA didn't want to believe that they had a mole. Right. Yeah. These people are getting caught, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you should at least investigate it, though, they, right? They blamed losses on this other guy, Edward Lee Howard, who was also passing info to the Soviets. But when they found out that he wouldn't have known about some of this, they changed, like, they weren't going after that guy anymore. Okay. This guy, Edward Lee Howard, is is a spy as well. Okay. Right? Um, and during this time, the Soviets were... Quote, wrapping up cases with reckless abandon. And, you know, wrapping up means getting rid of the problems that they're being told about. So Rick's telling insiders at the KGB who the insiders with the CIA from the KGB are. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's narking out the spies. He's ratting out probably some of the people he recruited. Right. Yeah. Um, So... This was pretty unusual at the time that they were wrapping up so many cases, right? right. The Soviets were. 
And uh, the CIA believed that if you eliminated all the assets to the mole, you would put him in danger, right? So mm-hmm. if you, if everybody around this guy goes away, you know, you make him more noticeable. So sure. By 1990, recruitment of new Soviets basically ended because the CIA felt it couldn't protect its current assets. So there were a couple of people doing this, but Rick continued during this time to meet openly at the embassy with his contact, uh, Sergei Chuvachkin. Okay. And every time they had lunch, Rick would get about twenty to fifty thousand dollars. Wow. And overall, throughout all this, he'd received at least four point six million dollars from the Soviets. <laughs> wow. Right. So it was a lot of backroom deals going yeah. on there. Um. So in '86. I know that this is kind of, I was telling you, this is kind of everywhere with time. Sure. But it all overlaps. And, like, I'm trying to make the investigation starting is going to go back over some of these things. But anyway. Okay, because it started well before he was actually outed, I guess. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, in 86, following the loss of several assets, Rick told the KGB that he was worried he'd be a suspect. So the KGB responded by telling the CIA that the mole was stationed at the secret at a secret facility. So they used their spy, their internal spy, to tell, to leak out that the mole was at a different facility okay. than where Rick was. Right. So they're trying to throw him off the trail. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because they suspect him. But. Right. Well, and at this point, they inspect that's uh, this secret facility in Virginia. They investigated ninety different people and got a list of ten suspects. They said there were so many problem personalities that no one stands out. Wow. <laughs> CIA, right? Wow. Full of good guys. So the CIA created a team to investigate the source of all these leaks, and the guy that headed this was Paul Redmond. The lady, there were a couple ladies and a couple men. It looked like a nerdy, like it almost looked like if you saw a picture of like 1970s or 80s, gospel family singer you know the album cover the whole family it kind of looks like those kind of people right nice sandra grimes diana worthen dan payne who was the nerdiest and uh gene gene uh vertufli that's a really hard last name you'd like it when you speak other um and they were called the mole hunt team oh lord so these are like totally don't look like cia spies or anything these are like high level spies and they like the interview there's stuff all over the place about this guy right like sure you can find videos all over the place right so they don't look like what you think of as a spy neither does rick rick is like kind of looks like ned flanders oh wow yeah kind of a dorky bunch yeah um so since all this was happening rick was basically in the clear and uh so they transferred him he they still don't know about this so he's transferred to rome where again he's rated mediocre to poor Jeez. and was cited as having po- problematic drinking and yet he's rewarded at every turn well, I, I said since apparently none of that matters <laughs> in 91 he's again reassigned to the counterintelligence center analysis group and where he had access to extremely sensitive data including on American double agents. So he was finding out who the double agents were, and he was a spy. Right. Um, The Soviets later said the info that Rick gave them was highly significant, and they were impressed with the quality and quantity of the secrets he gave them. So it seemed like he was really effective at working for them and kind of just mediocre at working for us. Interesting. I guess he worked better under corrupt conditions. I guess so. So in November of 89, a fellow employee reported that Rick seemed to be enjoying a lifestyle beyond his means. 
Oh. Uh, Rick's fam- Rick claimed that Maria's family was wealthy, and when they had gotten married, they got the money. They gave them money. Uh, but one of the members of the mole team knew her before the marriage because she was involved with this whole family of the CIA, right? Right. And her family was not well off when she was younger, right? Yeah. So, Does this co-worker know snitches get stitches? Well, I mean, they're all, in one way or another, snitches, right? I mean, <laughs> right. Um, but they, they, they found out that they had become well-off after the marriage, right? The family had become well-off, okay. even though they were poor to begin with, right? right. So uh, another failure that happened was when the investigator looking into Rick's finances began a training course and wasn't replaced. So he was in the middle of doing this. They restationed him to do something else and didn't replace him to continue the work that he was doing okay. to look into his Rick's finances. And another false story had come around that the Soviets had infiltrated the CIA with a USSR born employee. So they're still providing false information to protect their inside guy. Right. Uh, at two different times in 1986 and 1991, Rick was given polygraph tests and gave deceptive answers, but was passed. Ah. And later it was found that the examiners were overly friendly and didn't do the proper things with the tests, that they were physiological Jeez, things. Right? a bunch of serious-minded people. <laughs> right, and I mean, we're supposed to, the CIA, remember. Right. You know. Um, so, finally, the CIA began to really focus in on Rick's finances after co-workers began noticing his improved personal appearance, including capped teeth, tailor-made suits, uh, where he wore, when he normally wore bargain basement clothes, he had a $540,000 house in the 80s and 90s that hmm. he paid for in cash. Wow. A $50,000 Jaguar. Cost for remodeling, redecoration, about almost $100,000. Guy knows no subtlety. Monthly phone bills of over $6,000. And credit cards that had monthly payments that were more than his monthly salary. <laughs> so, I mean, he just got greedy and dumb. Yeah, yeah, that's real dumb. Especially the credit cards. That's yeah. real dumb. In March of 93, the CIA and FBI began intense electronic surveillance and going through his trash, putting a monitor on his car. And basically from November of 93 to February of 94, he was under constant physical surveillance. Man. Had to start feeling it. You know, you're going right. to notice, you know, I would think. I mean, I'm sure they're good, but. Yeah, what a dummy. This though. was the 80s and or the 90s. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't like they were, you know, as high tech as they are now. Right. There's some guy sitting smoking in your driveway watching him down the road or whatever. Uh, in February, uh, Rick was scheduled to attend a conference in Moscow. And believing they could wait no longer, Rick and Maria were arrested on February 24, 21st. And when he was arrested, he said, you're making a big mistake. You must have the wrong man. <laughs> well, that was on February 21st. And February 22nd, he was formally charged by the Department of Justice for spying for the Soviets and Russia. On April 28th, so what, February, March, April, two months later, he pleaded guilty. Remember, two months earlier, you're making a big mistake. You must have made, you, you must have the wrong man. Two months later, two months and one week later, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, he pleaded guilty and was given life sentence. Wow. Uh, plea bargain got Maria five years. And at the arrest, I don't know why, but this is what, I found this in multiple sources. When they, when they were arrested, they searched the home and stuff and found that she had 60 purses, 500-plus pairs of shoes, and 165 unopened boxes of pantyhose. <laughs> and I, I, I guess, I, I don't know if that's supposed to show how much money you got or... Yeah, I don't I know. I guess pantyhose are kind of expensive. I don't know. But the unopened 
165 I mean, underprepared. They have all different sorts of shades and colors. Sure. So, you know. Um, so in court, Ames admitted that he had compromised virtually all Soviet agents of, of the CIA and other American foreign services known to me. Is wow. what his quote is, right? And he had provided Russia and USSR with a huge quantity of information on the United States foreign defense and security policies. It's estimated the information Ames provided to the Soviets led to compromise of at least 100 American intelligence officers. Wow. Um, he allowed the KGB to use the controlled agents to feed the U.S. both genuine intelligence and disinformation from 86 to 93. And some of this intelligence reports even reached three separate presidents. So, I mean, it's, it was like real stuff. He wasn't like just giving away like some... He was big shoeshine guy that's the gossip guy in town you know? right um he said he was not afraid of being caught by the fbi or the cia but was afraid of soviet defectors saying virtually every american who has been jailed in connection with espionage has been fingered by a soviet source hmm. um additionally when he asked about the polygraph test Ames said there's no special magic confidence does it confidence with in a friendly relationship with the examiner yeah um so, alleged compromised sources, I'll go through a couple of them, right? Vitaly Yurchenko, the highest ranking KGB officer ever to, have, to defect to the United States. Hmm. And he later went back to the Soviet Union and for helping to keep Rick spying a secret, he was just given a desk job. He got he got pretty well off out of this compared to some guys. Right, yeah. Um, he. It is thought that this guy may have been a uh, Kremlin loyal false defector all along. So he could have been pretending as a spy, you know right. what I mean? Um, Major General Dmitry Polakov, who gave info to the CIA from the 60s to the 80s. Uh, this guy was like, seemed like a pretty good, genuine guy that was doing it to like help America because mm -hmm. he didn't want to help the Soviets. Well, they found he was executed in 88 after Ames exposed him to the GRU. So. Colonel Ola Gordevsky was a spy for MI6 and was able to escape the UK before he was detained by the Soviets. So these are like the highest ranking guys that they've wow. got. Yeah. Adolf Tolkovich is an engineer who compromised radar and missile information. And Rick and that guy, Edward, Edward Lee Howard, both exposed this guy and he was executed in 1986. So, I mean, he was giving us information on classified information on avionics and missiles. Oh, um, wow. Valery Martinov was an intelligence agent officer who revealed 50 Soviet intelligence officers from the uh, embassy and different targets that the KGB had infiltrated. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, another guy that was helping us out, he was executed. Uh, Sergei Motorin was a... Uh, he, the FBI tried to blackmail him into spying, and he eventually cooperated. He was a political intelligence guy, and he was executed. Hmm. Um, there's a, there's quite a few more. Um, a lot of executions? Yes. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys were giving up all sorts of, like, some of them, the one guy gave up so much information that it basically kept the Soviets from ever turning us off on like our radar and stuff like we had oh, access wow. to all sorts of things they didn't want us to be able to because right. of this one guy he yeah. was executed yeah um, he was gosh 
This one is the worst one, right? This one's like you really start to feel like Rick's a dick. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I already thought so. Um, Sergei Fedorenko is a nuclear weapons expert, and this one is, like I said, a bigger dick than all the other times that he was a royal dick. Okay. Sergei was assigned to the Soviet delegation in the, to the UN, and in 77, Rick and him... Rick was assigned to him and uh, provided missile, and he provided missile info to Rick. Right. Okay. Uh, the two eventually became friends. With Rick saying, "We had become close friends. We trusted each other completely." Big mistake, right? Oh yeah. Rick was initially against informing on Sergey, but after getting a majority of the info, he decided to do a good job for the KGB, <laughs> um, and he outed them. Fedorenko used his connections to get himself out of trouble in the USSR, and years later he met up with Rick for a reunion over lunch. Oh, wow. And he was promised he was going to move to the United States for good. So Sergei promised to help him, and guess what Rick did? He didn't help him. Yeah, I was going to say, screw That him same over. day, Rick went to the KGB again and told about this guy, Sergei. Wow. And Sergei has a, avoided arrest, and he lives in Rhode Island now. But, huh. I mean... Guy was an <clears throat> asshole to him twice. Um, you gonna talk about him when we do Rhode Island? Yeah, <laughs> his is probably just like he's hiding out, like, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so I mean, it's uh, the, the the CIA is criticized for not focusing on him sooner and giving the obvious increase yeah. in his standard of living. Yeah, know? for I mean, you know, like yeah, they could have done something more. I'm not saying can right. the dude, but you seem to be just promoting him at every turn when he's right. Giving... There was a huge uproar in Congress, right? Right. And uh, James Woolsey was the CIA director. Decided that no one in the agency should would be dismissed or demoted because of their lack of taking care of Rick before Rick was a problem. Hmm. Some have clamored for heads, he says, and to roll in order that we could say that heads have rolled. Huh. Uh, Woolsey said, uh, sorry, that's not my way. And he later resigned under pressure. Hmm. Um, yeah, so right now, uh, Ames is still alive. And he's in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, in a medium huh. security prison. And he's a prisoner number 40087-083. Oh, wow. And he's not getting out. And I don't know what happened with Maria. She probably went to somebody else because he was out of money. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, Maria never came back into that story. Nope. So Rick yeah. Ames, yeah, a spy from... Yeah, it sounds like she got rid of a... Good. Well, he was a problem, but she was a problem, too. I mean, that's she got, true. She got tax evasion and conspiracy to commit espionage, but the plea bargain <laughs> right. was that she got five years. You know, yeah. so... That's Rick Ames. He's, wow. Uh, yeah, from Wisconsin. Yeah. And it, <laughs> the Robert Hansen, who was arrested in 2001... The, it was it's considered the worst intelligence disaster in U.S. history. He was a spy. Mm -hmm. But next up was uh, Wisconsinite Aldrich Ames, who compromised more highly classified CIA assets than any other officer up to up until Robert Hansen did in 2001. Wow! So, huh. yeah, makes me think of that show, The Americans. Did you ever watch that? Uh, I have the, uh, seen that. Yeah, that there's actually a... there's. Uh, let me see if I can find it. It might take me a second to find yeah, it because that's a definitely based on a true story. But they were Russian spies living in America, posing as an American family, but had yeah, American right. children. Um, there is a show. It's, I can't remember what it was. Um, hold on a second. Spies are us. There's a show. 
that's that that's been out recently. That's uh, I've got to go back to this page. Sorry. Um, there's actually several different things. There's all sorts of videos and stuff, but there's um, the assets and ABC miniseries is based on the oh. book, A Circle of Trees and an account of Trader Aldrich Ames and the men oh, okay. he betrayed. Recently came out. 2014. So okay, fair. You know, it's also like a mysteries of the museum. Um, then sometimes it mentions like you know, he was mentioned in a film, but right. Huh. There's a movie from 1998 called Aldrich Ames, Trader Within, starring Timothy Hutton as Ames. Oh, that sounds like a so, made-for-TV movie. Probably is. Yeah. Um, yeah, huh. so there's all sorts of Aldrich Ames. Oh. Yeah, never heard name. of him. That's a, that was a good one. Hmm. Cool. Thank you. So that was Aldrich my, Ames. my trip to Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, I am... Um, I'm going to stay in Wisconsin for the most part. Well, we, okay. With, with I was going to say, story. well, we both had to at least start in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, but mine isn't uh, really about a person at all, although there's a particular guy I'll probably give a hard time to for uh, <clears throat> just being kind of a stick in the mud. Tom Shabusiness? <laughs> yeah. His name is Tomothy. Tomothy Shabusiness. <laughs> Tomothy Shabusiness. <laughs> Shabusiness. That's your new gamer tag. <laughs> Tomothy Shabusiness. I don't know if you should use that one. Yeah, probably shouldn't use Shabusiness for anything at this point. <laughs> no, mind your own Shabusiness. <laughs> yeah, maybe for something like that. But I'm going to talk about the uh, Rock Lake Pyramids huh. in Lake Mills, Wisconsin. Okay. Oh, I've yeah, never like heard of I this. Said, once again, I'm going down the rabbit hole. Not where I started. <laughs> Do you go on like rabbithole.gov <laughs> to like find out all these things? Well, I will admit that... Um, after deciding I wasn't going to do the whole thing on Taylor Shabusiness story, I just looked up like strange things in Wisconsin, and this wasn't on the list, but it led me eventually okay. to this. All right, and this one is a uh, well, it's about these um, supposed pyramids that people have uh, seen in this lake called uh, Rock Lake in uh, Lake Mills, Wisconsin. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's. I'll tell you soon. It's outside of Madison, but I still think it's about an hour, hour and a half outside of Madison, Wisconsin. So okay. out in the country. But um, what I first did was uh, <clears throat> ask ChatGPT to tell me about the Rock Lake Pyramids. This was after I read about the Rock Lake Pyramids because I, since talking about it last season, uh, been kind of obsessed with just asking ChatGPT stuff to see how right it gets things. Right. <laughs> and this had actually, at least based on the reading I'd done, got it, you know, it was pretty pretty right on. But um, ChatGPT says, the Rock Lake Pyramids in Wisconsin refer to a series of underwater structures or mounds that have been discovered at the bottom of Rock Lake near Lake Mills, Wisconsin. These underwater formations have sparked a great deal of interest and debate among researchers, archaeologists, and enthusiasts as their origin and purpose remain a subject of speculation. There's even some people that say they're not even there. That's going to be a guy that I'll talk about a little later. Okay. I, um, after looking at a lot of different stories, I think they might actually be there. And I think that the reason for them isn't strange or aliens or anything like that. But I'll also talk about that. Um, But uh, the formation, the underwater structures at Rock Lake uh, supposedly consist of what appear to be man-made mounds, walls, and other formations. Some of these formations are linear and seem to resemble causeways or walls. Um, The discovery was first documented... um, it dates back, I'm sorry, dates back to the late 19th century when local residents and researchers began exploring the lake's bottom. So that one, <laughs> that one's a little odd. So they Loch Ness monstered it? Well, it's funny because the town that it's in, because it started getting notoriety for these uh, p- 
pyramids that are supposed to be in this lake invented a rock lake monster as well. Uh, so course, this town yeah. has kind of uh, capitalized on the whole thing. Why not? Yeah. Even though it's still like, I guess it's it's a matter of controversy whether or not they even exist. We'll say that. Okay. But listening to a lot of the stories, I'm like, eh, I think they might actually exist. And again, they might be man-made as well. <laughs> but I don't think it's mysterious or anything like okay. that. So it goes, you get to go into history, Native American history and that sort of thing. Um, archaeological investigations. There have been attempts to study the formations more closely through archaeological investigations. Some researchers believe that the formations could be remnants of prehistoric cultures, prehistoric i'm not so sure or potentially related to ceremonial or religious activities uh, rock lake area is known to have historical and cultural significance for native american tribes particularly the ho-chunk or winnebago people some argue that these structures could have cultural or ceremonial importance that's kind of repetitive um so yeah we're gonna move on to a cool article i found at wisconsin frights Oh, all right. So they, uh, which is actually a pretty neat website. They talk about all sorts of weird and scary things, Wisconsin. Huh. So they had sort of a Halloween theme going on already, but uh, the um, article itself is called Rock Lake Pyramids. Is the truth really down there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> which I thought was pretty clever. But um, yeah, they're real. A Lake Mills resident, to- resident told me when I inquired about the legendary Rock Lake Pyramids. He was an outdoorsman, a farmer, hunter, trapper, and spent countless hours fishing on Rock Lake. Quote, at the right time of day, with the right light, you can see them. Yes, pyramids at the bottom of Rock Lake. The ones built by the Aztecs, or railroad workers, or Atlanteans, or a group of dastardly horse thieves. It all depends on who you ask. To some, it's incontrovertible proof of myth, mysticism, and alternative history. To others, it's hogwash. Lake Mills is home to a 1,000-year-old abandoned city with numerous macabre mysteries, a hissing lake monster said to have been terrorizing local fishermen since the 1800s until it was killed in 1986, and stories of underwater structures that some believe are connected to the Aztec civilization, the construction of Solomon's Temple, and the lost continent of Atlantis. So yeah, there's all sorts of hmm. <laughs> strange wow. theories out there. Is there a mayor, that guy from uh, History Channel the, with the crazy <laughs> hair? Right. It's definitely aliens. <laughs> I don't know the question, but the answer is aliens. <laughs> but you know, I mean, they do make a big deal out of pyramids on ancient aliens, but I mean, pyramids do exist, and they've been built all over the world. Yeah, well, so, I mean, it was the like, How did you get things to be tall then? What do you mean? Well, I mean, they didn't have the techniques to build like oh, we Oh, I hear what you're saying. So right. if you wanted yeah, to yeah, reach yeah. the heavens, you needed sure. the tallest building possible. Well, yeah. a pyramid makes sense. Well, in, in so many pyramids weren't all that big at all. Like right. Some of the mounds and stuff that I'm going to talk about. It's right. Like, you know, yeah. but, but still, pyramids nonetheless. Right. Like, so, yeah, I agree. How still getting closer so to the heavens. Right. Getting closer to the heavens. Exactly. Most of them being tombs, ceremonial <laughs> right. things. Yep. Um, you wouldn't realize it was at the center of a swirling vortex of mysterious phenomena if you were just casually passing casually passing through. That's the town. But you might raise an eyebrow when you start to notice the numerous businesses with the word pyramid in their name, the monument in the downtown Commons Park enshrining a sculpture of a red marble pyramid, or the local brewery named after the ancient indigenous name for the lake, Tyranin. Tyranina, with brood tributes to local legends such as the Headless Man and Rocky the Rock Lake Monster. 
quote, legend has it that in 1066, after suffering a long and terrible drought, Aztecs, Aztec Indians appealed to their gods for help by building and using sacrificial pyramids, the old Lake Mills Chamber of Commerce website read. Apparently, their prayers were answered because great waters came to cover those pyramids and created a beautiful lake the Indians called Tiranina, meaning sparkling water. But earlier I said most of the lakes in Wisconsin were created by glaciers. Right. So... <laughs> this one was created by space lasers. So this one was space lasers covering up the pyramids that they didn't want anybody to find. They, they, they built them. They, they yeah. built them here, and then hid them for right, some reason. And then hid them. The belief that the Aztec civilization once occupied the area is how Aztalan got its name in the 1800s. Aztalan is kind of like an excavation site in the area. Okay. Like there's definitely a whole lot of uh, Native American uh, history going on in the area, so it's legit that. There are things like ruins and things around the area. So uh, there was an old myth that the Aztecs came from a northern land called Aztalan. We know now that the area was actually a northern outpost of Cahokia, the massive pre-Columbian city of the Mississippian culture near what is modern-day St. Louis. Uh, the Mississippian mound builders. <laughs> According to the now-defunct Rock Lake Research Society website, the first white settlers in the 1840s saw strange formations sticking out of the lake, but they became completely submerged in the 1850s when dams for sawmills caused the water level to rise. Legend says local Native Americans told them of the stone teepees in the lake and spoke of ancient foreigners. Aliens. <laughs> right. According to later writings, the pyramids were rediscovered sometime around 1900. Two duck hunters, brothers Claude and Lee Wilson, were out on the lake, which was unusually clear at that time, and low, <clears throat> and low rainfall had brought the water level far below normal. The brothers spotted a large stone structure beneath them, touched the top of it with their paddle, and word quickly spread around town. Residents clambered into their boats to see it for themselves. They described it as a tent-shaped structure made of small rocks about 100 feet long. Some local boys even dove in and touched it. So a lot of the uh, renderings I saw of it kind of looked like a really low, long, triangular thing. So a pyramid, but like longer than it was tall. So, okay. Yeah. How tall are we talking here? Um, it's going to tell us somewhere here okay. in this article. I don't have it right, like right in front okay. of me, but uh, I, I do believe there are some measurements. Uh, but there are different. Well, I didn't know if they, you said it already. Some people will say it's longer and taller. Some people, you know. So there's different right. like stories right. on it. But, it's like uh, a man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or a good old fishing story. There about you go. That. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, rain came the following week, apparently, after these boys dove down and touched it, raising water levels and clouding the view. The pyramid was lost. That's where I'm like, really? You guys couldn't figure out where you were when you found them, though? Like, this lake isn't ginormous. <laughs> right. You know? I mean... So, in the following years, many more visitors to the lake claimed to catch a glimpse of the structure, though it remained difficult to pinpoint exactly where. But they caused trouble over the years, as fishermen complained of often snagging their lines on the structures, and a commercial fishing company had their net torn up on them. To drum up excitement for the town's centennial celebration in 1936 and boost tourism during the Great Depression, local author Victor Taylor decided to write about the pyramids. He gathered stories from other Lake Mills residents, including the Wilson Brothers. The Wilson Brothers. I don't know why I said it that way. Tyler hired members of the university swim team to dive on the structures and confirm their existence. One returned claiming to have seen hieroglyphics on them. So, yeah, you get a lot of BS in my oh, opinion. Oh, yeah, telephone. Give yeah. me a telephone. And just so you know, like, 
Yes, in, in lakes that are made like that, you can get your fishing nets snagged on just about anything because they just fill in sure. a valley. So there's trees and right anything that was there before is just covered with water. Right. They didn't, like, clear it out. If to this make was, the in fact, an area that had gotten submerged for whatever reason. For, then, for, yeah, like yeah. when they dam a river. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a town there's a town on the bottom of the lake that we're near right you know yeah. they, they flooded the valley there was a little town there yeah and it's just the remnants are at the bottom of the lake so well, yes it could be anything at the bottom not necessarily a this is pyramid. supposedly a natural lake like it occurred naturally uh, I gotcha. yeah, yeah so it's not a man-made lake. it just got deeper lake. because of other yeah who knows that's okay. where i have trouble with the story because okay. i'm like well maybe there aren't pyramids and maybe they are just natural formations or something right. but then again maybe something happened and it did get submerged who knows? the vikings long, long ago right the vikings well and the aliens um when word reached charles e brown charlie brown director of the wisconsin historical society museum and founder of the wisconsin archaeological society he seems to have disregarded the claims entirely a family of local horse thieves called the finch gang lived on an island in the marshland near the south end of the lake brown assumed that if the pyramids did exist they were not ancient at all but had been constructed by the finches to hide their loot and i'm like well that sounds like as much bullshit to me as just like aliens building them really because i'm like why would they build pyramids under the water to hide their money in like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard a <laughs> right. scientist ever say right like, you know like come on dude like at least like take into account the history of the area and come up with a better story <laughs> yeah than right that. yeah like come on man or you know find a cave or something <laughs> right because i don't believe that why build the whole thing when you could just go another <laughs> quarter mile through the woods and probably find a cave yeah, so that one, that whole theory, I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. It's certainly more real world, but doesn't make it any more believable. The Finch me. Gang. Right, the Finch Gang. Um, in the summer of 1937, a young Milwaukee native, Max Eugene Knoll, decided to test his experimental new diving equipment, the world's first self-contained underwater, underwater breathing apparatus, or scuba, while searching for the pyramids in Rock Lake. He spotted a tall, conical stone shape during one dive that he believed to be man-made. Noel went on to set the world record for the deepest dive, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but uh, he became busy like setting world records like diving. Like He was one of the first like real scuba divers setting right. records. Um, something interesting about this guy, he even dived to the wreck of the RMS Lusitania, the sister ship of the Titanic that was sunk by a German U-boat off the coast of Ireland in 1915. So I'm like, huh. That's pretty cool, actually. But this guy, at one point in time, was very interested in what he said he saw as pyramids in the bottom of Rock Lake. But he got busy, ended up dying early with his wife in a car crash, never got to come back and investigate more like he said he wanted to do. So, okay. Of course. It's just like those pictures of UFOs that are always blurry. Or that doesn't look like a UFO at all. Right. You know? yeah. like, it's like, I believe in UFOs, but you need to take some better pictures than what you're doing out there. It just happened to be running <laughs> while standing still. Right. Um, an archaeological survey of the lake was conducted by officials from the M Milwaukee Public Museum. <coughs> Lord, let me from the Milwaukee Public Museum in 1960-61 to 61 with a team of divers from a Milwaukee-based dive club. Their extensive work turned up no sign of the structures. They concluded that what people were mistaking for pyramids were piles of glacial deposits left behind from when the lake was formed 10,000 years ago. I certainly think that's very believable. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it, just a rock pile. Right, could very well be, especially if it's a natural lake like everybody assumes it is. It's like, well... I mean, I want to believe it's pyramids, but 
But then again, I mean, if it was submerged for some reason, perhaps it is like some ancient civilization had built for something. treasure for cowpoke. <laughs> yeah, you know. In 1967, Illinois scuba instructor Jack Kennedy was diving in Rock Lake when he came upon what he described as a slanted wall of grapefruit-sized rocks and a low platform rising about five feet from the lake bed. It was 20 feet wide and 40 feet long. He gathered three of the stones and returned to the surface. Though he was never able to locate the structure again on subsequent dives, Kennedy's findings were published in a 1970 issue of Skin Diver magazine. A journalist <laughs> that, does, that totally doesn't sound like... That sounds like an old porn magazine. <laughs> it really does. Skin, skin Diver oh, magazine. Some sort of horrific horror movie. Like it was like Easy diver. Rider. This is like the sister <laughs> right. when it's like girls with like <laughs> scuba helmets on, but no right. like bikinis. Skin Diver. Skin Diver. A journalist named Frank Joseph stumbled upon this article from Skin Diver in 1987 and believed the lost civilization beneath Rock Lake had been involved in the bronze trade with Atlantis. Joseph and his team conducted sonar sweeps of the lake, capturing anomalous images of what they believed were at least 10 man-made structures. One of them was a 100-foot-long structure made of large black stones that Joseph called the Limnatus Pyramid. Um, similar in description to one other person's description of it, but dot, dot, dot. Joseph wrote multiple books about his research, including The Lost Pyramids of Rock Lake and Atlantis in Wisconsin. I definitely don't believe the Atlantis theory either. Man, I'd, I'd like to have whatever these people are smoking. Right. I do believe in Atlantis-like cultures maybe having existed, but not in Wisconsin. <laughs> right. There are definitely lost civilizations, civilizations out sure. there. Oh, yeah. Today, contemporary researchers point to grainy sonar images that they believe show dinosaur bones, burials, effigy mounds in the shape of a turtle, and a headless man, and other fuzzy, indecipherable evidence of a lost city or it's necropolis. It's like that, that face that was on Mars, and then once it got a better camera, right? they're like, oh, it's just a rock. Yeah, it's just the light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, it sure does look like a face, though, but right. Yeah. During dives with Frank Joseph in recent years, researcher Mary Sutherland claims to have discovered an 18-foot-tall black pyramid with inscriptions. According to Sutherland's website, the ancient culture that lived in the area purposefully built these structures to harness electromagnetic energy from a ley line that stretches up from uh, the Mayan citadel of Tikal through Lake Mills and into Mayville, where crop circles appeared during a summer storm in 2003. So ley lines are pretty interesting, too. Like, because it is interesting, ley lines are straight alignments drawn between various historic structures, prehistoric sites, and prominent landmarks. The idea was developed in the early 20th century, with ley line believers arguing that these alignments were recognized by ancient societies that deliberately erected structures along them. So, I mean, ley lines are kind of interesting because you can line up certain prehistoric yeah. structures around the globe and it's like well that is interesting that they're all like on the same latitude or something you know it's like, yeah but you got to think too that like most of those places are where it was probably at that time might have been the easiest place to survive yeah it true. didn't have extreme temperatures mm -hmm. it didn't have i mean it might have heat and stuff like that right. but it didn't have like these varying degrees sure of, you know, plus the terrain and things like that is similar. Exactly. You know, yeah. so I think that might have to do with a lot. I agree. Yeah, ley lines are interesting, but I mean, you can make ley lines out of, into yeah, anything. You can too. line anything up on a circle. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like I'm speaking out of my ass, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you can oh, line yeah. it up if you're intending to line it up. Um, <clears throat> I just don't know about all these globes. Why? Why? <laughs> 
all these globes <laughs> everywhere. Wow. Um, threw me off. String thing, strange things happen around the area of Rock Lake, uh, writes the Sutherland lady. No, I'm just, please, <clears throat> people see things that aren't there. Ice fishermen can't start their chainsaws out on the ice, but back on the shore they start fine. They return to the ice and again run into the same problem. Scuba divers trying to film the underwater pyramids can't get their cameras to work. Of course. Other divers preparing to dive into the waters of the pyramid are overcome with a sense of dread. It is apparent that there is an energy disturbance going on in this area, strong enough to cause mechanical failure as well as affecting the human consciousness. Like, eh. I mean, you see what you want to see. And you can also create your own dread because of things that you know about already. And I'm sure these things do happen, but, you know, percentage-wise of the times that they don't, though, they... Yeah, but I mean, if you have... You have this waterproof (laughs) camera... Right. It, it, there, there is a chance that it might not work. Right. Of course. Just like anything else. Sutherland says that the lake has an area that's said to be bottomless. It's home to multi, multi-dimensional portals, and UFOs are frequently sighted going in and out of the water. Now, I will say it isn't unusual for UFOs to have been sighted going in and out of water. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. War of the Worlds. It's all about that. <laughs> It's worth noting that the Rock Lake pyramids don't exist in isolation. Some believe there are other pyramids in Wisconsin hidden in plain sight. Bill Benson, the late proprietor of Benson's Hideaway on Long Lake and founder of UFO Days, believed a long-forgotten pyramid beneath Dundee Mountain, a large glacial formation in the heart of the Kettle Moraine State Forest, is the cause of all the bizarre phenomenon phenomena that occurs in the area. UFO Days... <coughs> Excuse me. I can't get my whistle wet enough. Oh man, these people with their UFO like you UFO really don't days. Like UFOs. <laughs> oh no, it's just like UFO days. And well, there are um, another thing I thought about doing my story on. There are three different towns in Wisconsin that claim to be like the UFO capital of Wisconsin, but Wisconsin is um, one of the states in the U.S. that is known for the most UFO sightings of any other state. So it's the lakes, but maybe. Yeah, I know or, you don't believe in UFOs. Or, hear me out, they love cheese. I guess, right? right. So they're straining really hard because they've been eating cheese all day. Right. And then when they open their eyes, they get those little sparkles in their eyes. Hmm. You know, like when you like seeing birds or right. seeing stars, you know. So you have that strain and you look up in the sky and you see that and you're like, oh my God, that must be. But that's just where you've been straining because you've been eating cheese nonstop for 17 see, years. I find that less believable than there actually being UFOs. <laughs> Agree to disagree. I think it's constipation. But I do yeah. definitely believe uh, that people see UFOs. Do I think they're aliens? No, most of the time, probably not. All of the time, maybe even. Like, you know, but I mean, they are UFOs. You look in the sky long enough, you're going to see some red lights blinking and stuff. And sure. They might not seem like they're moving. But will you see them go in and out of the water and change directions maybe. and fly around everywhere? Now it's a lot tougher because <laughs> of drones. People yeah. are losing their minds. But drones don't go in and out of the water like that. How do you know? Nor do they change directions like that. You never know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, here's a guy more your speed than this guy's so close-minded <laughs> that he'll make up a I'm ridiculous I'm not saying I don't believe in <laughs> But um, from the Patrick Durkin Outdoors website, the uh, headline, Rock Lake's, quote, pyramids are just silty rock piles. Rock Lake in Jefferson County is about 20 miles east of Madison, and I was way off on my 
distance there and covers 1,365 acres in a slight figure eight shape at the western edge of Lake Mills. Its maximum depth is 61 feet and it provides decent fishing for walleyes, panfish, northern pike, and largemouth and smallmouth bass. So, small lake, essentially. Right. Smaller lake. Local legends of the past century say Rock Lake's murky waters hide ancient pyramids the Aztecs built before moving south to settle central Mexico 600 years ago. That sounds cool, but Madison's Rick Kruger, arguably Wisconsin's top underwater detective, thinks such tales are so much loon poop. Quote, (laughs) you can look all you want for pyramids and other man-made structures out here, but all you'll find is regular old rock piles left by the glacier 10,000 years ago, Kruger said Monday while motoring slowly from Rock Lake's North Shore boat landing. Compared to Madison's Four Lakes, the bottom of Rock Lake has very few things people left behind. Now, I will say most of the things that Mr. Kruger has to say, I'm like, yeah, he's probably right. Like, I wouldn't say that. Um, But I'll talk about why I don't like most of what he says because it's like well you leave out other possibilities mr kruger because you're so caught up in your own underwater detective ego right (laughs) but you can't possibly be wrong the legend's origins don't run deep in the lake or city's histories but they've been popular enough since their fabrication in the mid-1930s to put pyramids on lake mills logo you'll also see pyramids in the names just like i said in the last hour i don't need to cover that again in fact some claim rock lake also has a sea monster i'm not going to talk much about that either but um i meant to cut that out of my notes Kruger has worked for pyramid chasers who paid for his time and expertise. As a certified diver and an authority in side-scan sonar technology, Kruger has helped police and sheriff's departments in the Madison area solve mysteries and find drowning victims, sunken cars, and swamp boats for nearly 30 years. But he has yet to find a pyramid. I've met three types of people on Rock Lake. Besides true believers, you have people who want to believe, and you have scientists. The wanna believers are like me. I doubt all the stories, but I wish they were true. It would be cool if the pyramids exist. But scientists don't think that way. If you can't show them physical proof, don't waste their time. Fair enough. The pyramid tales apparently began in 36 when a writer named Victor Taylor, I've already covered that too. Um, excuse me, sorry. But what about the stone set in mortar that Noel reported? Remember the scuba diving guy? He had reported that there were, uh, like, mortared stones, like a base of the pyramid. Like, you know, he had seen it. And he said, uh, and Kruger says, the only thing between the rocks down there is clay and silt. You see artists' renderings, and you read that the pyramids were built from round black rock all the same size. But everything down there is the same rock you find in every farmer's fields around here. So Rick Kruger, the big... Uh, the big naysayer, I agree with most of what he says, but he does leave out the fact that there is a history, again, of such pyramids in the area. You know, not right. just underwater. Underwater, sure, seems a bit weird. But he seems to give no credence to the fact that, well, maybe something happened that I don't know about. Yeah, that's like, true. I mean... I'm thinking, you know, if there are a lot of, like, glaciers, you right. know, some years it would be warmer, sure. so more, th- more would melt off. Yeah. And so, like, all that silt would be deposited there sure. and then move back another three feet or every ten years or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of and, evenly distributed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, no, that... I mean... Right. Not knowing much. <laughs> I mean, based yeah, on my yeah. one class in college on geology, <laughs> which college was, you know, at least five years ago. Yeah, for sure. Huh. For sure. So that's... um. 
I, I've got another little bit of story that kind of ties in uh, just to the same area, okay. really, in a way. But uh, but that's the Rock Lake Pyramids. Okay. Um, in looking at articles about the Rock Lake Pyramids, I found uh, stories about giant skeletons, like giant skeletons. I have skeletons. seen giant skeletons. Are those right. in Wisconsin? Yeah. Uh, well, not... Um, during a certain time in history, they were being found all over the United States. Right. But yes, Wisconsin <clears throat> has uh, several places that have unearthed, quote-unquote, giant skeletons. Um, this first article I have is from a website called cultofweird.com. All right. <laughs> but giant skeleton unearthed by Wisconsin farmers in 1912. So uh, this is an excerpt from a book called uh, Washington County Paranormal. But uh, Lizard Mound County Park is a cluster of mounds, many of them burial mounds, located in Hagner's Woods. They range in shape from simple linear and conical mounds to effigies of birds, panthers, um, one particularly unique lizard, though experts now largely agree it's actually a turtle. The people who built these mounds are as mysterious as the mounds themselves. Commonly Commonly referred to as the effigy mound builders, they lived in Wisconsin and neighboring states between 700 CE and 1200 CE. Today, the debate over the identity of these mound builders focuses on determining which of the modern-day Native American tribes' ancestors constructed these beautiful earthen works. So, yeah, I guess it is kind of prehistory. You're talking ancient civilizations who, who were building these mounds that people don't quite understand. You know, right. right? Though effigy mounds, I mean, it's some sort of tribute or memorial or something like that. But uh, since the natives who lived in the area of the mounds were no longer building them when Europeans first arrived in Wisconsin, it was assumed that some lost culture or race had to have been responsible. Naturally, this lost race must have been eradicated by the current native population. I can't help but notice, this is the person in the article, I can't help but notice this theory of an established culture being displaced by a newer, more aggressive culture mirrored exactly what was happening as Europeans conquered North America. So it's like, eh, likely story sort of thing. Right, yeah. Posited identities of the lost race range from the slightly plausible Aztecs to the nearly impossible lost tribe of Israel or the Atlanteans. Early 20th century West Bend writer and Washington County historian Carl Quickard subscribed to the lost race theory. Quickard was the guy that wrote the book that I'm reading a little bit from. Let's see, uh... Quickert writes about the extraordinary discovery of enormous human bones near what is now Lizard Mound County Park. While collecting gravel for road construction, farmers uncovered a cache of bones that, when assembled, formed a skeleton eight feet in height. The skull's lack of, quote, protruding cheekbones suggested that it belonged to a different race of men than the Native Americans. As is usually the way when the bones of a giant are discovered, this part's interesting, when exposed to air, they quickly disintegrated. I had no idea. Only the skull, which Quickard reports had teeth measuring a full one inch in length, remained intact. Intact. Quickard didn't doesn't reveal the fate of the giant skull, so keep your eyes open next rummage sale season. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good <laughs> since luck. The, since the skeleton was assembled by farmers instead of archaeologists, it seems wrong to take their estimation of the size as accurate. It also seems unlikely that the bones could survive being assembled by laymen, but soon after be destroyed by contact with the air. It's much more likely that this was a tall tale Quickard erroneously took as fact. Yes, I agree. Quickard supposes the skeleton may have belonged to a people inhabit. I won't even get into that because that guy's uh... a... <laughs> so yeah, that's some giants. Um... Giant, <clears throat> giant skeletons of mound builders in Wisconsin. There's another one that was found really close to Rock Lake, and it mentions the um, 
here we go. The Aztalan uh, Mound Builders again. So Aztalan, Wisconsin city of the Mound Builders. The remnants of a city built around a large central mound were discovered near Madison in 1835. The city, known as Aztalan, is believed to have flourished from 900 to 1300, possibly serving as a northern outpost for the much larger city of Cahokia in present-day Illinois. So again, Mr. Kruger, I ask you, why didn't you take this into your account? <laughs> Mr. Underwater Detective. Is he the doctor? <laughs> He's the one that was on the boat saying, like, I've never oh, found anything in these right. waters. Like, fair enough. I gotcha. Uh, and it was the glaciers. Yeah, probably. How does but, this thing keep know. showing up and then not showing up, though? I agree. You know, it's like it's like locked If it's this big, <laughs> like, I can understand a living thing that right. moves. Yeah. But a big structure that, like that. To me, it sounds like. like uh, uh, we can't find it again? Like, right. you never like thought of putting a buoy in the water right there? 60-foot deep like yeah i mean it does seem weird i mean they sound like they're pretty short so the whole story about the guys finding them like putting their paddle down on the top of like i, I just don't know about all that <laughs> right like, like you know like i, I well agree, that might be but, true if they had a drought for a while right, or something. like it would have to have been pretty low though you know the, yeah i mean you bought them out going tubing right. on a river maybe they yeah. just did that but so i i agree like there's got to be giant skeletons a better explanation every time than, you see those that's definitely like you can tell that's a fake picture. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. But um, anyway, most of the Aztalan mounds were destroyed in the late 1800s and whatever relics to be found taken by treasure, treasure hunters. One disturbed mound was found to contain the remains of a young female now called the Princess of Aztalan. She was found to have a slight de deformation in her spinal column, which may have caused her to be more highly regarded. She was wrapped in belts of seashells, some coming from as far away as the Gulf of Mexico. Though she was of average height, the princess is one of only a few burials discovered in the area, which include a headless male and five cremated remains. There are rumors of a giant skeleton unearthed in the area, but I haven't found any reports to corroborate it. Though not a giant, the Aztalan princess is, a, <clears throat> is unique amongst Wisconsin mound burials. In 1891, the New York Times reported that Smithsonian scientists excavating the Aztalan site had discovered three pyramid-shaped mounds in nearby Rock Lake, which are believed to have been built by the inhabitants of Aztalan. So, I found that New York Times article, actually. It's called, Wisconsin Mound Open, Skeleton Found of a Man Over Nine Feet High with an Enormous Skull. So, this is from... Uh, December 20th, 1897. Maple Creek, Wisconsin. One of the three recently discovered mounds in this town has been opened. In it was found the skeleton of a man of gigantic size. The bones measured from head to foot. This isn't the story about the lake, but this is the story about the, the giant that was found there. The bones measured from head to foot over nine feet and were in a fair state of preservation. The skull was as large as a half bushel measure. Some finely tempered rods of copper and other relics were lying near the bones. The mound from which these relics were taken is ten feet high and thirty feet long and varies from six to eight feet in width. The two mounds of lesser size will be excavated soon. So... Those are in a similar size to the ones people right. claim to be seeing huh. under the water in yeah, the lake. Yeah. So it's like, hmm. I mean, interesting. You know, that's all I'll say about it. It's a, uh, one more New York Times article about uh, strange giant skeletons found. Um, this one is from May 4th, 1912, so a little bit later. In Madison, Wisconsin, the discovery of several skeletons of human beings while excavating a mound at Lake Delavan indicates that a heretofore unknown, unknown race of men once inhabited southern Wisconsin. Information of the discovery was brought to Madison today by Morris Morrissey. 
Maurice Morrissey of Delavan, who came here to attend a meeting of the Republican State Central Committee. Curator Charles E. Brown, Charlie Brown, of the State Historical Museum will investigate the discoveries within a few days. He called it hogwash in the end, I think. Upon opening one large mound at Lake Lawn Farm, 18 skeletons were discovered by the Phillips brothers. The heads, presumably those of men, are much larger than the heads of any race which inhabit America today. From directly over the eye sockets, the heads slope straight back and the nasal bones protrude far above the cheekbones. The jaw bones are long and pointed, bearing a minute resemblance to the head of the monkey. The teeth in the front of the jaw are regular molars. There were also found in the mounds the skeletons, presumably of women, which had smaller heads, but were similar in facial characteristics. The skeletons were embedded in charcoal and covered over with layers of baked clay to shed water from the sepulcher. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting stuff. That's, uh... That's my giant stories. But really goes into stories of, well, there were some race of people, group of people living here at some point in time that built formations that sound like the ones under the lake. But how the hell did they get under the lake? Right. If that's the case. Um, you know, they, but also just as likely, perhaps more likely, glacial deposits that, like you were yeah. saying, kind of deposited. I mean, I guess they could have maybe dammed the river themselves back in the day and yeah. then and filled yeah. it back in or something. Because, you know, also, and not even trying to get all Atlantis, we don't know or understand all of the technology a lot of these cultures had back then. Like you were saying, how do you build the pyramids so high? Like, well, aliens, of course, but no, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, ramps and, right. and, like, yeah, I mean, unfettered access to slave labor right. i mean but people even like with you know simulations of such things haven't been able to prove that that was actually possible and they you right. know they I don't mean, have anything else to do for a whole life sure but i mean it's still like almost like aliens building it is that less possible than humans doing it the way that we right. say they did it like, i'm not yeah. saying they didn't i mean obviously humans had a part in it right or 100 yeah. percent part in it and but you know interesting how they might have done it like, is it just ramps or, you know, did they have some sort of way that we just haven't thought about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, like, or some sort of understanding of something that we did. I mean, I saw like, the, like, the Great Pyramids would be in some astronomical amount of time. It would take like 40 years or something to build with all the technology we have today. Maybe, oh, right. maybe even longer than that. Yeah. But I mean, right. And But then you think of how long that society and that civilization yeah. was and like there. i said it wasn't I like mean, they could they went home after work and like got on their right. like xbox or something exactly. you know, like so it was 24 7 365 and you right? know like, I mean, they give you a break once in a while but i mean it was right. also like well once you if you just fall over then they just keep on going and you're doing this for a leader who you basically believe to be god or right. next to god yeah, anyway. so you'll work yourself to death yeah to like without Show yeah. your unbridled exactly. passion for them or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I found those huh. interesting because I'm like, well, it could be weird and wonderful, but it's probably more, you know, Richard Kruger's probably right. I just like to shit on him right. because, you know, he's a party pooper. <laughs> Although he did say he wanted to believe, so I'll give him that much. Uh, you know. I'm not saying that I don't believe. I'm just well, saying that. I don't know if I believe. I just want to believe. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. Yeah. It's fun to think about. So yeah, that's that's my uh, that's yeah. my Wisconsin completely story. related in yeah. every way. Yeah, we were about as far yeah. away from each other. And as the we fact could that get they both own. mentioned Wisconsin, <laughs> yours stayed there. Mine definitely did not. Right? So He's yeah. not even in prison in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They never even sent him back to Wisconsin nope. to spy I, there. I don't know how much spying needs yeah. to go on in Wisconsin. Well, it sounds like he was 
not doing it right anyway. So, or he was doing it exactly. He, right, he was doing but, it right until yeah. he started getting like too big for his britches and yeah. started like he was wearing suits that his bosses couldn't afford. Right, like, like being dumb he about used to it. come in like all ratty clothes, and now he's coming in like tailored suits. <laughs> right, dummy, you big dummy. Yep, and it all came around. Yep, because of Maria. What? That's a famous line from an old um. Mexican country song. Cypress Hills song. What goes around comes around, kid. Yep. What goes around comes around. That's true. <laughs> uh, so thanks for joining us for this Indeed. look into Wisconsin. It was fun. Um, you know, if you're straining on a cheese bender, maybe you too can see a spy <laughs> or an alien or something. I mean, I do like that theory. Go on a... <laughs> I kind of shat on it, but it is funny. Yeah. But while you're while you're sitting there doing that, go on uh, organdonor.gov and donate your organs. Yeah, get rid of your stuff. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys on the next one. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs>